All right, we're back on recording. Okay, so, um, you ready? Welcome, everyone, to the end note. If you're listening to our first ever podcast, you probably know us. And thank you very much for your time. <laughs> Thanks, Mom, for joining. <laughs> Absolutely. We're brand new. This is our first podcast. Um, I'm Melissa Morgan. And I'm Renu Biniwal. And we're two friends. We've known each other for a number of years and had a vision for this podcast. We call it EndNote. So let's talk a little bit about our hopes for this podcast. What the heck does EndNote mean? And what is it that we envision for this conversation we want to have, Renu? Yeah. So the EndNote, if you've ever had research projects in high school in college or you read books with research attached to it right the end note is the information that's in the back of the book or each chapter that provides more information about what you're currently reading um the goal for end note is for us to talk a little bit about what's happening in our lives what's going on around the world and providing some extra context and how Events that are happening right now are affecting us today. And we want to have some fun. You know, we've been having coast-to-coast conversations for a number of years. Currently, I'm in Los Angeles County on the West Coast. And I'm in Chicago, freezing my butt off. (laughs) (laughs) It was hot over here yesterday. Like, I went outside in socks, pants, long sleeve shirt. I had to undress. I almost put on my bathing suit. Wow. Um, it was literally that hot over here. I'm in the LBC, good old Long Beach, where you grew up, right now. Yes. Um, and where we um, yes. first started our friendship back in the day. <laughs> and I've got dogs. <laughs> They're going to join the podcast. And I think the dogs are corresponding on we met and, and when we met. Um, and how we met, I think, is a great story. Because we met back in 2001, um, both in our early 20s, um, coming out of college or finishing up college, um, but we were involved in the same organization. And the organization that was uh, referred to back then as the National Conference for Community and Justice. And now locally, uh, the one in Long Beach is the California Conference for Equality and Justice. Awesome. I'm loving your um, your hype group behind you, Melissa. <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah. Uh, so what Melissa and I had in common from the very beginning was there were quite a few things, but our interest in race relations, human relations, because that's what National Conference for Community and Justice, and we'll refer to it as ACCJ from back in the day, um, was about. We... For me, I attended uh, the Long Beach Unified School District, did a lot of programming around race relations or uh, different group relations, um, which entailed what was called human relations camp, right? So we brought individuals from different groups, different genders, obviously, from different high schools around the city, and we put them in a campsite in the mountains, away from the city, um, and spent three days together. Uh, And that was just a very impactful experience for me in high school. This was during the early 90s, and we're talking about coming from 
finishing out the LA riots, um, which had happened a few year, few years prior. And then OJ Simpson trial was happening at that time as well. And how that was just indicative of what was going on in Long Beach at the time. Um, and what NCCJ did was not just happening in Long Beach, but throughout the country. And I think that's how Melissa uh, may have been involved as well. Yeah, back then, uh, when I met the organization, it was called the National Conference for Christians and Jews. And I was in middle school. I grew up in northern Florida, in Jacksonville, Florida. And in middle school, I got to participate in a program, I think it was called Camp Anytown. And it was with kids of different racial backgrounds and religious backgrounds. Um, and we got to talk about our differences in our culture and our identity um, over like a summer break. Um, and it was the first time that I was with kids where we were talking about diversity, which to me was super cool because I grew up uh, in the South um, with there's still a lot of kind of segregated history there. You can still feel the history there uh, in northern Florida. It's kind of considered southern Georgia. And uh, I grew up as a biracial person with a white mom and a black dad in a um, a fairly white neighborhood and community, though we were a military town. And so we did have diversity that would come and go over the years. And the communities changed a bit too, a little bit over time. So uh, that organization really kind of opened me up, I think, to be able to talk to others about difference and build relationships with them. It was really cool. It really it really marked me then. Um, and then I don't know if you know this, Renu, but then that was my first job right out of college was working with NCCJ in Jacksonville. And wow. one of my proudest moments was I got to help bring Martin Luther King III to my college campus for like a dialogue presentation. Yeah, it was so cool. Um, number three, the third. <laughs> that was really awesome. Um, and then I got hired to work with NCCJ over here in Long Beach. And the rest is history. And you're still there. <laughs> <laughs> making an impact on Long Beach. Keep coming back to the LBC. So let's talk a little bit about who we are and introduce our audience to us. Uh, what would be three words that you would use, Renu, to describe yourself? So my three words are curious. That's, I think that's the first and foremost, um, the main word that I would use to describe me. I ask a lot of questions and I'm so inquisitive. Um, people around me a lot may be annoyed by the amount of questions that I have. Um, I believe in being more curious than opinionated. And that's just, I'm, I'm just curious on about everything. Um, the next word is calm. I am that, I believe I'm just a calm presence and passionate. I'm very passionate about what I choose to be passionate <laughs> passionate about the word passionate that's really cool that, I totally see you as all of those things that's awesome I my words for you I would say you're brilliant that's probably the first word I always use when I talk about radio oh my god radio is brilliant this woman I mean the things you've studied the places you've been the problems you've helped to solve professionally um, and just the way that you apply the things that you've learned to to life and I do I totally see that sense of curiosity as I think what fuels that for you. I'd also say caring. Like every time you come back to visit for the holidays, she's got very thoughtful gifts for the kids or um, the way that you care for your family and make time for family. 
Um, and I know that there's just this heart inside of you that influences the way you think about the world and how you apply yourself. And then thoughtful, uh, which I connect to both of those things, being thoughtful as a caring heart, as well as being thoughtful with the things that you learn, how you listen to people, um, and the things that interest you. I think you're a super thoughtful person. Well, hugs, then. <laughs> I know, we're not very good at taking compliments all the time. These are definitely all compliments. So, yeah, that's, that was nice. Yeah. All right, <laughs> Melissa, three words to describe you. I, I feel like first, I feel like I'm a creative person. Creative, that's something I like to keep at the forefront. Because if I'm not being creative, mm. I feel really boring and bored. <laughs> Um, the second one, I, I like to say that I'm resilient. I feel some pride around that. Um, the things that I've bounced back from or pushed through, um, I haven't had a terrible life in any way, but there have been challenges in my life that I feel like I've been able to overcome. And so I have some pride about res around resiliency. And then similar to your curiosity, being curious, interested. I'm super interested mm -hmm. in people, in life. Right now, I'm kind of thinking a lot about hmm, afterlife, the meaning of life, you know, with everything going on with COVID, um, how to be a better mom, how to be more present and healthy. I'm just totally interested in learning and understanding things more. Wow. What you got for me? <laughs> Two out of the three. No way. Yes. I have creative. Hmm. You're one of the most creative people that I know. Um, and you're creative in every aspect of your life, whether that's um, work-related or uh, rearranging the furniture. Yes. Um, in a creative way, uh, you know, how you build your home, mm -hmm. um, your home space, to how you interact with others. It's, you are one of the most creative people that I know. Um, you're also one of the most resilient people that I know. Um, and resilience is like how you handle challenges. And man, you take on every challenge mm -hmm. um, head on and stay positive throughout. And um, that is something that I have been inspired by. Um, through your resilience, through your creativity. And it, when, and when people are dealing with stress, sometimes creativity can be impacted. Um, and I just don't even, I've never saw that from you. And then thirdly, um, I see you as a great connector. Hmm. You can find connection with everyone, with anyone. Um, and, and to me, that's really powerful. But yeah, I, you can connect with the farmer from Idaho to the New York, to, to anyone. You can, you can find a, a connection, a genuine connection with someone. Huh. Very cool. Do you hear an echo? I do. Oh, okay. Good old internet. The internet, the internet is haunting us. <laughs> and again, thank you to all our loved ones who are listening to our first podcast. This is great. You know, I've been seeing, okay, do you know how our phones are totally listening to us? Um, I keep seeing things that pop up around 
girl, start your podcast. These ads. I think I even sent you one the other day. It was like, you can do it. Start your podcast. Mm -hmm. So it's like, why not? This is the time we've got to do it. So we're just jumping in here. Um, let's do a little bit more of interviewing one another and sharing our story through some okay. questions. Um, you know, I was just thinking back when I first met you, it was at the back of the cabin. What was that called? The main lodge or something at camp mm -hmm. up in the beautiful um, mountains and woods in Ukaipa. It's gorgeous there. There's like apple country. Um, lots of, we had a bunch of, I don't know, maybe a hundred or so teenagers sitting on the floor, the wooden floor in the cabin. And um, as adults, we were starting to get a little antsy. We didn't want to sit down with all the kids. So we would stand up, stretch, walk around. Um, and I remember walking towards the back and seeing you there. And there was just this automatic connection I felt. I just always remember that moment. You know, there's some people that I've met through life where I just automatically feel that energy of like, oh, wow, I know you. I know your spirit. We just, it's very um, natural feeling, the connection. So I've always felt that way, whether we're seeing each other the first time in a year, you know, when you're visiting for the holidays or whatnot. Uh, it just always feels like it has, just very comfortable. So I, I appreciate that we get to have that kind of a connection. Yeah, uh, one of my first memories of us and our, our new friendship and just realizing like this is, you know, we're going to be friends for a long time. Um, your apartment, when we painted your, your first apartment in Long Beach. Oh, oh yes. And, and for the audience, this was a very old school, from the 1920s, I think this building was, was made. And the apartment was awesome. It was right downtown near the water. Um, but it was old school. It was very 1920s, and it was very creepy. It was. The wall probably hadn't been painted since it was built. Um, and Melissa, being creative, wanted to paint the walls of, of the rooms in the apartment. There weren't many rooms, but I remember there were different walls that you wanted to paint. And a group of us spent the night in the balcony um, on a mattress. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, helping to, helping with this project. Do you remember the colors that we chose? Um, red. Oh, hot red. Yeah, and I think there was a, a green, but I definitely remember the red. Yeah. <coughs> I had a bright ass um, sun yellow and then a, a dark rich blue, and we just slopped that paint all over because the place was filthy and it was, yeah, it was not a very clean apartment. It was very old, dark. Um, and I didn't ask permission either. That was, you know, <laughs> me realizing it's better sometimes to ask for forgiveness than permission. Yeah. <laughs> you know, being that creative person too, it's like, just go for it. Yeah, totally. And it really made the place feel a lot better. I thought it was haunted. It spooked me out. So just bringing in the color, it probably was haunted, um, <laughs> helped to lighten it up a little bit for me. And it was in an awesome spot in Long Beach on Ocean Boulevard. This building still exists. Uh, I can't quite remember the name of it. Right Art Deco type of uh, architecture. Yeah. So hopefully we didn't ruin, ruin any important details by painting. Um but you, there was even a view, if you kind of stood on the balcony and turned a certain way, you could see the ocean then. Now, though, several uh, tall skyscraper, um, very luxury, they all say luxury outside, buildings have been built. So you, you can no longer see the ocean. But once we could, um, that was fun. That was a really cool, it was my first place that I ever lived at uh, in Long Beach on Ocean Boulevard, where I've lived three times now and worked at least twice on that street. So. so I was living in San Diego, you were living in Long Beach, about 100 miles away from each other. 
And my family is from Long Beach. I'm from Long Beach. I went to college in San Diego and I lived there um, for a few years afterwards. Um, but we then um, lived in the same area a few years later, uh, about like 10 years later, in uh, Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. um, and we're a network for each other, yeah. Yeah, 2009. You were there when my youngest daughter was born. Yeah. In the room. I was in the room where it happened, people. In the room. <laughs> we went walking on Georgetown, uh, some street in Georgetown that day of, just trying to push this baby out. Uh, you took my oldest daughter, I think, to like a festival or a carnival or something that day to keep her occupied. Finally, hours later, that baby was ready to come out, and she came out <laughs> in all her glory. <laughs> and you were there. <laughs> and being in D.C. at that time was real, is a real interesting time, too, because that's when gentrification was just starting. Mm. Um, really full on. Um, now when I go to DC, I hardly recognize my neighborhood where I live or, or at all. Um, it's so different. Um, I don't know if, if, if you've been there the past few years, Melissa, but I mean, DC is completely changed. Not completely, um, but just the dynamics. Um, it used to be called chocolate city. Now it's called chocolate chip. <laughs> oh my gosh. No way. <laughs> Uh, just in terms of the change and the development that's happening there. Very interesting. Yeah. And the same thing has happened with downtown Long Beach, that apartment where we hung out in that balcony. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's renovated now and, and charge it maybe even a condo. It's very expensive to live there. I, I think the studios and the new buildings that are being built cost upwards of $2,000 just a studio which is probably close to, if not more than this house we're renting in North Long Beach right now, where we wow. have a yard and several bedrooms. So things have changed a lot downtown. You wouldn't recognize it either. Wow. Um, yeah, from back then. Well, so I have a couple questions for you kind of related to the way that we met, the kinds of questions that were asked in, in that program that was working to fight racism and prejudice and discrimination. Um, I'm curious, Rainier, when was the first time that you realized you were a girl? I think that uh, women and girls' issues are something we're going to want to uplift a lot in, in this podcast. In yeah. So I'm curious, when is the first memory you have when you realized you were a girl? So I was always a tomboy growing up. And um, I was the oldest. Oh, I still am the oldest. I have a brother and a sister. My dad really wanted a boy. And he, I think what he saw in me was just a reincarnation of a boy. Just, uh, he would put me in like little baseball slugger outfits. And uh, <laughs> um, I was just, I was such a tomboy. G.I. Joe's, um, race cars, uh, little matchbook cars, uh, all everything you name it. I wanted to be a boy. Um, it wasn't really until I was in school, right, kindergarten, first grade, where I was reminded um, by the boys that I was a girl. Ooh. And, you know, I couldn't do all the things that they wanted to. I had to prove myself a lot um, to be able to, to play with the boys. And then I also went to a Christian school um, for most of my, my school upbringing until 10th grade. Uh, and we had a dress code. You had to wear dresses and boys had to wear pants. Um, so I think from there too, I realized that, okay, something's different, but really what I, what it meant to be the other was when really trying to be involved with the boys, the boys group, 
um, and constantly having for myself. That was my, when I realized I was a girl. Mm-hmm. What about you, Melissa? Um, gosh. You were a girl. Yeah, well, you know what? I was just watching a little bit last night about the, uh, is it the hero Captain America? Is that mm. her name? It's the woman in one of these. Um, I'm terrible. I will say the wrong comic name. But uh, so anyway, this this woman was, um, she had superpowers and whatnot. And she was having memories of times when she was trying to do things that the boys were trying to do. So this was mm-hmm. some of her backstory. I didn't catch the whole movie yet, but I will probably watch it because I love that kind of a storyline. I can relate to that. Um, I think for me, the first memory was likely in family get-togethers and gatherings um, when the the men, the guys would sit down, they'd watch sports in one room. The ladies, we would be like cleaning up after dinner, washing the dishes, sitting and chatting. and. I never really had a sports connection. I never went to a college with a big sports team. I didn't play sports until I forced myself in high school just so that I, because I wanted to be extra active, maybe even to prove myself. Um, So yeah, I just found that in the family structure stuff of just how boys and girls, men and women divided themselves. And I always had a little bit of a resentment against that where it actually really impacted my adulthood of not wanting to be in a relationship with a man where um, he was only one to wear the pants. Like I took on a lot of burden, I think because of how I looked at gender roles and what I didn't want to have, which I feel like is a little bit more sophisticated now how I feel about it. Um, But I definitely really related to that feeling and sentiment behind feminism. I see myself as a feminist Um, and I didn't quite know what that meant as a young kid, but it was something I felt like I even, um, I remember so badly I wanted to like take a shop class so I could learn like the hands-on stuff of, of how to fix a car. Like that was really important to me to want to like be able to understand these things that guys did and girls didn't. Um, one day I taught myself how to mow the grass. My parents were at work and I like mowed the entire yard in like a hundred something degree weather in Florida. I didn't know what I was doing. I was making a total disaster, but I had to do this thing. I had to prove that I could do things that guys could do. Um, so yeah, I'd say it was family and family structure is when I, I really started to notice that. You know, it's so interesting you mentioned that because um, growing up, you know, I grew up in, in Long Beach, but my parents, neither one of my parents were from California at all. And so our community was not blood family, but more like a circle of friends um, that were like our family. It was a, it was a lot of friends um, that were not from here either so we were each other's family and growing up as a kid it was that gendered role where the men would sit around talk politics watch or just talk and a lot of politics uh, and then the women would be cooking um or talking about different topics that were the topics were different i just felt like the men had more fun yeah and i was you know, I, like I said, my I was the oldest. I was dad's girl, um, but my dad raised me to be. You know, I wasn't necessarily daddy's little girl. I was more just wanted me to be tough, like a, you know, a, a version of him. Maybe um, I say that because he will let me hang out with him with his buddies mm. um, during this time. So whenever there were get-togethers, it was always the men in one room, the women in the other. 
I just felt like the men had were more interesting uh, in what they talked about. And I just wanted to be around that. And then I also noticed like the women were working way harder. <laughs> you know, cooking and then cleaning and then cleaning up and then making sure the men were taken care of when the men were just sitting there mm-hmm. talking about whatever, drinking beer or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, this yeah, lots of beer. I want to be in that group. I'd rather be <laughs> in this group. Yeah. Um, um, it just, yeah, that was a stark uh, memory of just like very quickly gender groups. Like you come in, you're automatically going to go into that group. Um, based on your gender as an adult, right? Yeah. Uh, it'd be kind of odd if the man hangs out with the women, if, the, if a woman hangs out in the men's group. Um, right. But if you hung out in the men's group, you really had to prove yourself, whether with sport knowledge or you have to be able to participate in the conversation, um, yeah. what I found. So I always made sure, just as I grew up, that I was able to have to participate in conversations. That's See, I noticed that about you. Yeah, like I remember living in D.C., you and my kid's dad would go out to like sports bars and stuff and you could totally hang. You've always been able to like hang with any group. I don't have that. I don't have the interest really, I don't think, either in sports. Like I'll watch a sports game in person, love that. But on TV, I'm just like, it's just not my thing. Maybe in a big, like exciting game, you know, the end of a series of something. Um, I'm more interested in like the athlete's personalities their stories um yeah you know what else I'm having a memory of back when I was in high school and hip-hop cross colors and stuff was getting really big right (laughs) and I remember just thinking about gender identity I was really enjoying wearing baggy pants and big hoodies and like a hat that maybe I would turn backward it made me feel stronger and a little more powerful because I felt like it was like I was connecting to some masculinity, some sense of masculinity that I had never really been taught, but I was starting to see in hip hop. And um, when I think back, I'm like, yeah, it was definitely not that I was transgender at all, but I was definitely feeling more, I was feeling more connected with being able to express myself in a less quote unquote feminine way, Mm -hmm. um, which has helped me to think about when folks are transgender um, just what that experience is like for them and how natural it feels for people to identify with however it is that they express themselves and their gender. So it's a memory I have of like the, a time when I started to embrace this masculine energy. I feel like I'm a very strong woman and some of that because of the gender roles I saw of my family um, growing up, I really held tight to wanting to have a sense of masculinity because to me, I related to that as power and strength. Now I have a, a different view for me personally and that I have a lot of strength and power as a woman. Um, and I, I like to, I do like to wear like some jewelry and decorate my body and express myself. Some of that is like with creativity. Um, but I have a, a bigger understanding and appreciation, I think, for that spectrum that we can be part of in our expression and in our identity. Can we talk about 90s fashion for a minute? <laughs> yes, let's do it. Let's do it. Oversized clothing and the, I loved it. I was so all about it. I am here for it now. I am so happy that 90s fashion is back and I'm hoping that that bagginess will come back as well. Um, you know, growing up as an adolescent in the 90s, um, when that was all big, I had, I had the big sweaters and the big jeans. It was fitted on the waist, but it was just big. It was so comfortable. So comfortable. It was so comfortable. And I never had any like body issues because no one can see it. 
and it was cool. Uh, that to me was like the best. I didn't know that it was a fashion trend, you know, when you're growing up until the tighter clothes. Because uh, at the same time, like Daisy Dukes were coming out, and I was like, nope, not about that. <laughs> about these uh, these baggy shorts than the than the Daisy Dukes. Um, but yeah, it was it was a great time for fashion and, and femininity. Femininity. Um, really feel that like you can be feminine and be comfortable at the same time. Okay. Oh yeah. Win win all the way around. And I went to at Christian school, like I said, up till tenth grade, where we had to wear skirts and dresses all the time. And so I always tried to find a way to I always had a sweatshirt with a pencil skirt and some sneakers. Okay. I know. Wow. That's not. That that was a fashion no no. It worked for you at any time in history. But that's how I made it work while meeting the the expectations of what it takes to be appropriately feminine and then being comfortable at the same time. Wow. I can't even imagine having to wear a skirt every day. I've been so pissed. <laughs> I would have taken it, you know, but because I remember being in, um, yeah, I was in Catholic school for like first grade and part of second grade in a small town in Pennsylvania. And then we moved to Florida. Where, yeah, when Daisy Dukes came in, it was hot in Florida. You had to wear Daisy Dukes. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, I was a little pencil in a pencil skirt. I was so <laughs> tiny. <laughs> hey, so, hey, tell me about your, what's your COVID uniform today? I have a COVID uniform. Do you have one? I do. What I is it? I have a COVID uniform. So I'm wearing it today. Oh, my God. I am wearing a, um, well, it's winter. It's cold. I'm wearing a turtleneck sweater. So I'm appropriate up top. When I'm wearing my sweatpants on the bottom. Oh, yeah. The way to feel like I'm, I have it together, guys, is <laughs> I have my shirt tucked into my sweatpants. I'm nice. like other style sweatpants. Yeah. Uh, to feel a little more put together and not as, you know, what I would consider like just baggy and baggy and baggy, like what we just talked about. Yeah. Um, you feel a little bit put together. But yeah, that has been my go to a video appropriate top and uh, work bot of uh, sweat bottoms. However, during the work week, I do dress similar, like going to an office, mm -hmm. uh, because to me, that helps me break up my week. That helps me stay motivated. Um, it's Saturday, honey, so. Right. What pants and tits. Right. Yeah, I love the whole COVID uniform. Um, mine has been stretch pants. Today, I'm going a little overboard. I'm wearing my my leopard, hey! my leopard print, which I've never worn leopard until these. And I just feel super um, fun. These are like my fun pants. I love fun pants. Stretchy. I'm all about the stretchy pants. Maybe a little bit of a long, oversized, comfortable shirt. I'm usually wearing a t-shirt, sometimes with something cool on it. I've been designing a couple shirts for fundraisers. So every now and then I'll wear that and try to express it. Um, and then really over here in L.A., it depends on the day, the weather, like half of my house is cold all day. But if I go to the other side outside in the sun, it's hot. So I end up stripping. Um, but I am also wearing some really cozy socks that the kids gave me for Christmas. Because right now it's a little chilly over here, but all good. So I'm comfortable as hell. And I love wearing, I always feel like I'm naked if I don't have some kind of earrings on that move with me. Um, on a good day, I put on a little rouge, a little lipstick, maybe a little highlighter. 
uh, to be ready for my Zoom. And I'm usually getting ready five minutes before the first Zoom of the day. So <laughs> I like this life. I mean, as much as there have been awful things that have happened last year, I am finding time to like get outside and relax and I'm more comfortable and I'm not worried about what I look like. And I'm, you know, just kind of doing my best to be healthy and have a little balance, not doing yeah. great, but I'm, I'm trying. Yeah. I mean, this past year has definitely been bittersweet. Um, but my silver lining, what I found positive out of all of this is being able to work from home, which mm -hmm. was an adjustment. Um, my commute before all this was two hours a day at least. Um, and I never really got home until around eight o'clock. Then I would go to the gym, which was also out of the way. And there's just this whole thing. I was coming home, eating dinner at eight and, and getting ready to get up at 530 in the morning. Um, I have so much more time. I don't have the commute. Um, I, you know, like I said, I, I tend to dress um, like I'm going somewhere throughout the week. And I put on full play. I do the whole skincare and makeup thing just to, so I can break up my week and feel like I'm at work mentally. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's how I do like some self-care. Uh, but man, I don't, I'm not looking forward to commuting and going back to work again. I found a way to stay connected with my coworkers, my colleagues, um, my friends. And um, yeah, I, I get some extra, I get to sleep in later. Um, I don't have to worry so hard, so much about what I'm wearing or feel like I have to buy new clothes. Um, you know, I'm, I don't have a gym membership anymore, so I'm saving, I'm saving so much money and time. Oh yeah. And, and feeling blessed that I'm still working. Right. Um, totally. but being able to, as a person who's still working, be able to save that money and time has just been really, um, positive for me. Look what I got. Resistance fans. <laughs> yes. I have been investing. I have to say with, even though I'm not like. We're not out in the world. Everything's changed. I have started to buy a couple of things like these stretch bands to do exercises. And I got some hand weights after I don't know how long. So while I'm on the Zooms, I might be doing a little, some crunches, you know, just a little, bit, a little exercise. Because all of this, this is where I carry my tension, shoulder and neck. So I've realized this is, I don't know how long the life is going to be like this. So it's time to insert a little, you mentioned self-care, a little exercise. So I've got a couple toys around here. Some exercise toys to start. We'll have to talk about that offline because I had yeah. some on my uh, Christmas list. Uh huh. And resistance bands were one of them. Yep. I didn't get them, so I want to get them, and I'd love to hear your your experience on on that. But working out has been really important to me five days a week, um, and I've done a lot just by looking at YouTube videos yeah. and running outside. You oh. know, and I, we have a treadmill. I started doing Zooms on. Great. <laughs> That's fantastic. Anything to move every other day. Just just get out and move, and you know steps. the temperature change here during the summer. I was outside after work or during lunch, um, just being outdoors and being active and getting that vitamin D. Uh, mm -hmm. Now it's it's I've learned. You know there was a transition period whenever it gets dark earlier or yeah. colder. Um, so yeah, I'm back on the videos and and. Bar and Pilates, I absolutely adore. Yes, yes. And I think that now it's kind of like, I'm, you know, that I think about those phases of death, DABDA, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. <laughs> I think I've been in denial for a while, um, a little bit angry, 
the bargaining thing. Yeah. So definitely some depression. And now I'm in that place of like, okay, it's 2021 time to accept life is as it is at the moment. Things are changing vaccines. We'll talk about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, but now I'm like, okay, I'm going to kind of accept the life is this. And so now it's start, it's time for me to infuse some self-care habits, more of those, a sense of normalcy, a little bit of a routine, um, you know, showering every day, brushing my teeth twice, at least a day. Like there's those things that can start to slip as our mental health gets a little funky. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about what's going on in our world. So we've got, we've got some words that we can label it, some hashtags <laughs> so <this laughs> in our conversation around. Hashtag hot mess deal. <laughs> right. Um, what are some things that are weird, wacky, wonderful, whoa, or wow happening over there in your Chicago land? Chicago land. Um, oh, wow. Um, in Chicago land, I, I feel like Chicago knows is wacky. Um, for those who, who don't know, we have, um, earned the most corrupt city in America for the third year in the row. Oh, I wish I had my source to share with you which one that where that was, um, and then uh, I think just something wacky in terms not necessarily Chicago but um, something I wanted to share was NPR News two days ago stated that two gorillas were HIV not HIV COVID oh. positive. Oh my um, gosh! So even gorillas can get it. We are more alike than we think. Oh, that's <laughs> painful. Yeah. That's scary. That's all I have. I think I've, our, my newsfeed has been inundated with um, the wacky that we all know to be wacky, right? COVID's happening, deaths at, a, at a, a, just an alarming rate. Vaccinations can't come out fast enough, and people are refusing to be vaccinated. And so what do we do? Um, meanwhile, we have a transition of, you know, a task force in the administration. We're transitioning with administration, and then a new task force with a different approach. So there's just a lot happening there that I'm always um, paying attention to and conscious of. And then, you know, say the obvious, we have a new president coming in next week and not everyone's on board with that. Um, And just being uh, mindful of staying present and staying informed and seeing what's going to go on next week and um, not listen to too much news Mm. because news to me has become almost like social media in terms of like it it can really impact how I see the world. And while news is something that I I'm always listening to or reading to be informed there to me, there's a certain point you can only listen and read so much um, in a given day. So I want to do a little bit of uh, us and them. I looked it up. Chicago is the most corrupt city in the U.S. According to a new study, Chicago outpaced L.A. and New York in corruption convictions. (laughs) Residents are already bracing for more. Oh, that was February of last year. So I'm curious what's happened this year. Oh, yeah. Corruption convictions. Ooh. That's ugly. Nothing I'm excited about. Nothing I'm, I'm... I'm proud, but it just shows <laughs> that's what that city of Chicago um, has always had that reputation to be corrupt. And now we get no, you know, national recognition for it. All right. I remember hearing a little bit about the Daly family back in high school, I think, when in a, like a government's class. Um, you were mentioning that to me recently. 
that the Daly family is no longer in control of Chicago, Chi-Town? No. Um, so the Daly's were three generations of mayors. They were the mayors. Um, one father was, was the mayor for 25 years. So that's just one person. And then um, his, uh, his son, so the third generation, was a mayor until the 80s or 90s. Rahm Emanuel, which um, became the mayor, who became the mayor um, in, in the 2000s, was the first uh, non-daily in a long time. And now we have um, a mayor who is a uh, black woman, um, first ever in our history. Lori Lightfoot, right? Yeah, Lori Lightfoot. Do you have indigenous roots? Do you know? Um, I'm curious with that name. I'm not aware mm. of, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure. Yeah. So I see a headline right now in Fox Business. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot says restaurants and bars need to be allowed to reopen as quickly as possible. That's yeah. a wow for me. That's our that's one thing that's just been in, in our headlines. But I don't know if it's any different than any other major city. Um, but our our restaurants are shut down. We're for takeout only. Um, even the outdoor dining has been shut down. And it's been hard for people um, here because it's it's cold here so outdoor dining there were a few restaurants that were able to accommodate for this type of weather for outdoor dining but most restaurants you know you have to have a spit you know space heaters and tarps and all of that um and so uh, you know restaurants have been hit hard people have lost their jobs restaurants have closed i mean permanently all over the place um and chicago's a restaurant city you want to eat good food, come to Chicago. LA has great food too. But Chicago is a foodie town. Um, our our news is about restaurants opening and, and who's closing, who made the cut. And so to see so many restaurants close permanently and all the people's jobs, livelihoods, investments, um, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, there is just a lot of pressure because our numbers, our COVID numbers aren't declining. They're still, they're pretty steady. Mm -hmm. I think she's just getting a lot of pressure from restaurant association to to open up i will say also that january and february are like the the lowest volume of customers people we typically don't go out to eat on january and february because it's also our coldest months like right. no one goes out no no one like when to hang out on the town yeah uh, january and february so i think it's interesting that they want to do it right now but um we'll see what happens I, yeah, I that's, hope so. like, that's the thing in California. It's like this weather is perfect to be outside eating. You know, it seemed like folks were doing it pretty well. Some restaurants had the tables a little bit more further spread out than others. But um, that's definitely a whoa for us was when they shut it back down again. And yeah. actually, Renu, you were in you were in town and we were having a meal together the day before they, they shut down all the outside dining. And we may have found a restaurant that might have let us sit inside and eat, if you remember that. Which will remain nameless. <laughs> will remain nameless, but we love that place. <laughs> and we that owner us got COVID, thankfully. <laughs> yes. And I will say, in, in the owner's defense, well, we didn't anticipate sitting in there. We thought we were just going to take out because that's what all the restaurants were doing were takeout. Um, and I, he just, I thought he wanted us to stand aside for social distancing. I think he was, I thought he was ushering us like to, you know, to be in a certain part of the restaurant while other customers were other places. No, he had to sit down. And do you remember what he said? He's like, everyone else is doing it. <laughs> <laughs> he invited us. He was like, you want to sit in? Or are you getting this to go? And we looked at everybody and ourselves. 
people cleared out pretty quickly. So we basically had the restaurant to ourselves, but that yeah. was nice. There were very few people in there and yeah. it was a large restaurant. So we were nowhere near the the other customers. That we had our masks. We took them off to eat yeah. and we turned our faces and all of that good stuff. Yeah, we were, I, I felt like we were being uh, appropriate, may not following the rules in terms of guide, uh, you know, restrictions, but we had a mask. We were socially distanced. We're a little rebellious, I guess. So that was a little wacky and wonderful at the same time. Uh, I have another whoa and a wow. Our LA numbers, uh, 2,924,057 cases in our California coronavirus tracker. 4,160 more added today. And we're increasing at about 7% in Cali. I mean, it's, uh, I, I actually, I visited Michigan with my, I think it's a KN95 mask and put on the glasses and lots of hand sanitizer. I flew over for a family death uh, right before the new year and was talking with some family members and they were really wanting to know, is it really that bad in California? I'm over here looking at these numbers and I've looked at some heat maps um, comparing what's happening here locally in my city of Long Beach and LA County. It's really that serious and it's, it's devastating. It's, it's I tell you going back to those um, stages of death. I think we've been all going through a lot of grieving, grieving our old life, what it used to be like pre COVID grieving our personal experiences and cases of COVID. And just that even for me, I was, I was really freaked out traveling. I felt like it was the right thing to do because of, of some things surrounding my aunt's passing and wanting to stream in my mom and her siblings so they could see this funeral service because mm -hmm. they didn't feel safe traveling. They're, you know, up in their sixties and whatnot. Um, and coming back, I quarantined in my bedroom for like 10 days. And that was tough, even though my kids were bringing me food and it was kind of great because I didn't have any parental responsibilities. Their dad was <laughs> taking care of everything. So that was kind of awesome. But it impacted me emotionally to not be able to really leave my room, not be able to go anywhere. Um, and as a matter of fact, I'm drinking out of a cup right now. I don't know if you can see it says Harriet 90. My grandma <laughs> is 90. She turned 90 last year. She was, what year was she born? Oh, oh figure that math out in a minute. Um, she, 1930 or something, right? She uh, She's in the hospital right now with COVID. And I'm super concerned, super worried as an African-American woman in her 90s in a small town in Pennsylvania. And they're trying to send her to the hospital where I, actually I was born in. I think it must be have a little more capacity for her. Um, they don't have any uh, beds available in a small town in Pennsylvania. So yeah, these issues are serious. This is a big deal what's going on right now. Yeah. And the rural areas are getting hit pretty hard. When I, you know, listening to the news or watching the news, um, the rural areas, they only have so many ICU beds on a given day prior to COVID because it's such a rural area. Um, so you know, they have to find places hundreds of miles away, hospitals hundreds of miles away. And it's just heartbreaking okay. to hear just the stories. So many people who have COVID, um, even while I was in California over the holidays, I did travel to California over the holidays um, to visit my family who I haven't seen in a year. They, my sister's uh, boss was in the ICU while I was there. He was, um, for COVID, and one of his lungs uh, was shutting down. And so, and then a friend of hers passed away suddenly with COVID. He went to the um, ER with COVID. They told him to go home and quarantine, and he passed away 
two days later. He was young, right? Yeah. Upper thirties. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, uh, it's really, it's, it's heartbreaking, um, to hear, you know, there's multiple stories, thousands of stories of like these every day. Um, that's why I'm, I'm all about the vaccine and ready to go. Give me the vaccine. Damn it. Yeah. That, that's something a little bit, uh, a little bit wonderful and a little bit weird for me. I, our nonprofit, we got invited, I think on Wednesday, we got noticed that our nonprofit got invited to participate in the first phase or uh, the first ish phase of COVID vaccines. And, um, most of the folks on my team were really excited to do it. I was very scared, very nervous. Uh, talked to some friends and family and, one of my friends is asking me, you know, what is it? Why do I feel so nervous? I think for me, it's a gut feeling of like, it feels very quick. Uh, I have a lot of questions. There's a lot of unknowns. And as a black person, I'm super like culturally concerned around putting my body on the line for kind of ex what feels could feel a little bit like experimental medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, I talked to my family and the closest, my closest family members encouraged me to do it, kind of urged me to do it. Uh, as a matter of fact, my 11 year old said, mom, you're not going to get it. Are you a flat earther? <laughs> oh, she's been really watching a lot of news. This, she's probably, she's an incredibly brilliant child. This child of mine, both of my kids are amazing and brilliant. Um, so I got it. I got, I got the first set of the vaccine, the Moderna. Uh, next day, my arm was a little sore. Uh, I have, yeah, it's, I, I was really tired yesterday too, which I think was just more from just the overwhelmingness of everything. And all of a sudden we were faced with a decision. We had to get this vaccine within the next day or two. Yeah. Um, and I was actually the first on my team to get it. So mm -hmm. it's a little nerve wracking, just all the what ifs and wonderings. Um, but I did choose to go ahead and do it because I feel like it would help me to have a little bit of a less of a burden on my shoulders when I'm going out and doing some work in the community. So our nonprofit was chosen because we're considered healthcare workers. We're doing mm -hmm. some public healthcare work around bringing around um, education and awareness around COVID and how folks can stay healthy and where they can get tested. And now it's going to be where you can get the vaccine should you so choose. So that was a little bit weird and a little wonderful. I'm hoping, I'm hoping this works out for folks who get the vaccine, you know, that, mm -hmm. that there's less side effects and long-term effects um, than we may fear there could be. There's a lot of unknowns. Yeah. I'm willing to take the risk. I have trust and faith in science. And, you know, that's just for me. I know that there's a lot of opinions on um, and, and emotions about being vaccinated. And I completely respect that. Just for me, I do believe in the research and the science. I do believe in, um, this, you know, technology. This was the first vaccine we created. It, it, as a human society in decades and the amount that just the, the level of technology has gone into it and, and how it came about to be as, as quick as it has been for us to get the vaccine uh, to me is really uh, miraculous and I'm, I'm all for it. All for it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, a few minutes left to go. You know, I'm thinking of something weird that I heard yesterday that I still can't understand. Uh -huh. <laughs> it still makes me laugh. What the hell is this my pillow guy doing with Trump? I don't get it. <laughs> it's just so weird. And I actually had on my Christmas list to my brother, I wanted a my pillow because I'm not sleeping so great. And my brother quickly texted me back, "Oh heck no, we did not f with that dude." So that was just something I thought was 
weird and wacky. And I don't know much about the My Pillow guy. I, I do know, you know, his infomercials. I don't know the affiliation. I just um, I do watch like Saturday Night Live skits. Oh and yeah. While he pops up <laughs> as like a um a diehard Trump supporter. Um, oh. You know, it's a skit, so you know he's made fun of. But he just comes in these random uh, scenes about his My Pillow. And his his views of the world are you know are similar to Trump's views of the world. Ugh. I don't has he has he come out? Was he well, was he at the Capitol? Yeah, he was he was cited at the Capitol yesterday, and a, a photographer got a picture of his notes, and his notes said something about martial law. I forget what else. So it was just totally oh, like what? So that's oh, something God. wacky and weird. Here's oh, wow. something wonderful. You mentioned Saturday Night Live. Highly recommend Saturday Night Live during COVID. So good for us to laugh. Uh, yeah. I've been working with a group of, of volunteers and grassroots um, leaders around um, debunking mental health uh, myths, mm. and really promoting mental health, particularly Black-centered mental health in the Black community. And a question we were talking about recently is like, what's your medicine? What's your medicine for right now? And I think for me, laughter is definitely my medicine to help me through all of this. What's yours, Rainu? What's your medicine? Um, so it's definitely laughter or just, um, plain old fun. What I've been watching is, um, a channel on YouTube, L Magazine, um, spelled E-L-L-E, -L -L -E, has a YouTube channel. Um, and on their YouTube channel is this song association series. Ladies and gentlemen, so much fun. So if they have singers, you know, um, like Alicia Keys or current... Uh, singers whom I've never heard of, you know, pop singers, hip hop artists, different ones, um, and they'll be, they'll have that one time slot, that one video, and they are given a word, and they have to sing a song that has that word in it. Mm. Um, any song, as long as it's a real song with the word, and it can have the word time, and like you have the clock running. So also like Melissa, your word is time. You have to think of a song and sing it. Um, oh, that part of the song that has the word in it. I am so entertained by that. I have watched hours of this because they have so many. I think um, they realize that th these are popular, so they just keep on um, coming up with them, um, creating content about, you know, with song association. And it's interesting because you see, for example, there was this Korean uh, pop group, mm -hmm. K-pop group, and they were there doing song association and one of the guys, you know, it was three of them, and they'll give them all the word, and maybe one person will will go like, "Oh, I know, I know one," and he'll sing it. This guy was singing Diana Ross. He was singing Sam Cooke. He was, he was, you know, he's a young guy from Korea, like they're from Korea, and um, Korean accent and all. And he was knowing these Motown R and B deep cuts. Yes. I was like, look at you, go on ahead. So it's real. It's really a lot of fun. Um, and you know, you can't help but play along, right? Think of a song and sing it. Very cool. That sounds wonderful and wow. Another wonderful and wow for me is this new website uh, a colleague shared. It's called Window Swap. It's window-swap.com. And you can click and open a window to somewhere in the world. And you can see outside of people's windows. Like right now I'm looking at Brisbane, Australia, someone's beautiful yard with all these trees and I'm really having fun looking at people's cars and how they landscape. Uh, I clicked again, Lodi, California. Someone has a beautiful water fountain. And then, ooh, Wellington, New Jersey. Oh my gosh, these places are just gorgeous. So I highly recommend if 
Someone wants an escape, window-swap.com. Lots of fun. That's my wow and wonderful from yesterday. Yeah, that's definitely been a treat. I'm definitely keeping that on my computer screen. Um, also for the audio. Oh, yeah. Sound, so too. We're fantastic. Yep. I have one more I want to share that's kind of like a wow okay. um, and a whoa. Uh, an article I read um, this week by Melinda Gates. It's in Time Magazine. And it says why women's voices must be at the center of rebuilding after COVID-19. And so Melinda Gates has been doing a lot of work with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation um, and has been focusing on women, women around the country and how empowering women will really change the world. She thought that that 2020 was going to be that landmark year for gender equality. But then when um, COVID came, it really uh, had a, a pretty awful impact on women around the globe. Um, and so she shares that and I'd heard this too at the very beginning of, of the pandemic when we were sheltering in place. Uh, violence against women has been reaching terrifying heights mm -hmm. in country after country. Uh, the Malala Fund has projected that an additional 20 million girls of secondary school age may never return to the classroom. And lots of women are going to be impacted by maternal deaths because of COVID. Uh, one in four women has already considered downshifting their career or leaving the workforce. I know a lot of women who are looking for work who are now at home with their kids, with homeschooling, um, because of lots of caregiving uh, roles and responsibilities. And that uh, there was about 140,000 140, jobs that disappeared in the United States last December. Most of them, or all of those, I guess, belong to women and mostly women of color. Um, and just a reflection in this article about how women are often the health workers, you know, first responders, putting themselves at risk. They're working in grocery stores and pharmacies and the daycare centers that are open and are a majority of the educators in the schools. Like I was just looking at an article about Chicago, yet another Chicago educator protest, right, of, of should schools be opened or not. Um, here in Long Beach, we're seeing that more of the wealthy, affluent, mostly predominantly white women moms are pushing for the school district to open for their kids, not really taking into concern the other kids and the health factors and risks there, right? Um, and then this was something I found of hope toward the end of this article is that there was a survey done that reported that across 27 countries, a majority wants to see their economies reimagined, more inclusive, and that people want to see the world after the pandemic become more sustainable and equitable. And so some of the recommendations are that governments, businesses, and organizations begin including women's voices at all levels of decision making. So mm. I, I want to close out with that for me of something wonderful and wow and whoa, um, because I think it's really important for us to think about women, women's roles in the world around us. You know, we, we talked, Renu, you and I about this podcast for at least a year or more before the pandemic. And I'm hoping that we'll uplift women's voices and women's stories and bring some amazing women onto the show um, to, to hear from them and their experiences of what are they seeing, hearing, feeling, doing in the world around them that relate. And also tying in some friendships. Uh, hopefully we'll get to know some women and their friends. I think that's a special element, we, a surprise element that's coming in future mm -hmm. podcasts. So that, that's what I've got on my mind right now. Um, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to for our next episodes is we are curious, we are interested, um, and we just like to hear different women's perspectives. What's going on in the world? What's inspiring them? Um, and what continues to inspire us? 
um, I'm always inspired by, you know, the wacky and, and the interesting news, um, especially the ones that you share, Melissa. And um, it's just looking forward to bringing more people into the fold as we um, roll out our podcast and polish up a little bit from our first one. <laughs> um, the next thing, um, before we, we uh, head out, um, I want to talk a little bit about what we are experiencing and seeing in our where we are. We are in two different parts of the country. Um, and so to me, you know, our everyday lives is what we see, what we hear um, and what we feel. And so I'd love to hear from you, Melissa. And we talked about the that awesome website about the window swap where you can see and hear what's going on, you know, people's windows. What do you see, hear, and feel um, in Long Beach lately? Yeah. So over here on the West Coast, um, something I've been seeing, my daughter and I, we drove our car to the beach the other day. Um we stayed in the car mostly and just kind of people watched. Lots of people were outside. It's been beautiful this week. Uh, we saw roller skaters. We saw bikers. We saw roller skaters dancing. It was so cool. We saw people with masks on, um, distance and participating in like some uh, fitness kinds of uh, like obstacles and stuff over at the beach. Um, people just enjoying the sunshine and small groups of folks. Um, and then we took some pictures of the sunset and shared it with people who weren't outside right now or at that moment. Um, so I've been seeing a lot of people really enjoying some of these public spaces, lots of folks out hiking and walking. Um, what am I hearing? I've been hearing a lot of birds. We live across the street from a park and I've loved that. I'm seeing a lot of nature and hearing a lot of nature, um, over the past couple of months. Um, gosh, I saw some huge bird the other day. I can't remember what it was, but just some, some new critters that I hadn't seen. We even saw some little baby bunnies recently on a walk with our dog. Um, but I'm also, I noted that I've been, I've been hearing more and more traffic. We're not too far from a highway. And so at night I'll hear a kind of a rushy noise and realize it's the traffic on the highway, the good old 405 or the 710 traffic is picking up. Yeah. Um, and what am I feeling? Um, I am feeling a little bit uneasy, not sure what's going to happen around the election this week with, um, any kinds of violence that might be coming from white supremacists who are out there and really trying to organize themselves and express their hate and anger. And what I think is fear, fear of the other and fear of difference. So I'm feeling some trepidation, feeling a little bit of concern for my neighbors and, um, wanting to kind of be a mama bear to folks in the community for us to stay safe at home this week, unfortunately, mm -hmm. um, so that we're not out there being targets of some crazy kind of hate. So how about for you over there in, in Chicago? What are you seeing, hearing and feeling right now? Um, so it's, it's actually more positive than I, I thought it would be. Um, I live in the city of Chicago and I live in a neighborhood that's a very walking neighborhood, very walkable neighborhood. Um, so I don't have a car. I drive rarely. Um, I walk around. Everyone does too. Almost like a, like a Brooklyn. And so my, what I see people just seeing them walking by or just out my window, uh, everyone seems pretty positive. It's cold. It's winter. I think everyone's just uh, accepted it at this point. Um, you know, there are times where I, I live by the lake, Lake Michigan, and um, usually in the winter, there's not a lot of people out. But the other day, it was 
full of people out on that lake. They were barbecuing. It, and it was in the 30s, okay? Oh. 33 <laughs> Fahrenheit. Unbundled up. And, um, you know, usually at that time, it's for the diehard uh, exercisers that are out there. Uh, you know, you'll see people walking their dogs or, or you know. But it was full of life and, and people just happy and wow. wearing masks and, and doing what they need to do. Um, I feel like more people wear masks now because it's cold and it actually helps out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now I might continue to wear a mask in the winter um, post COVID. Uh, but uh, that's what I, it's what I see is a level of positivity. And um, I, I hear a lot of birds and which I think is really weird. Again, I'm working from home now. I had worked from home before. And so this is the first time I'm in the winter. I hear birds outside. They're supposed to be south somewhere. They're out there full. They're having conversations, guys. Okay, They're having full-fledged conversations outside my door um, and my window. I hear them all the time having conversations. And so um, I'm thinking they would have been flown away, but they're here. They're, they're hardcore. They're staying around. Um, and then I think uh, feeling uneasy. Um, so the city downtown, and that's an alert that came up, is protests are scheduled um, this week. Um, related to inauguration um, or protesting. Um, and so um, our downtown has been really hit hard with everything from 2020, from COVID and then just uh, protest and, and rioting that's happened several times. Um, so uh, there's the city decided to shut down downtown, like close up um, in preparation for these protests. So I'm feeling uneasy about just what's going to happen this week. I think everyone is. Um, I really hope that it's all for nothing and everything is smooth and um, everyone exercises the First Amendment rights without violence. So yeah. um, we will see next next time on the end note. We'll probably have much more to discuss um, after that. But yeah, just cautiously optimistic about 2021 um, with the intention to stay positive. And um, also a 2021 intention that I have is to be on social media more, which is probably the opposite of what others want to do. I am rarely on social media, guys. I am rarely on Facebook um, or Instagram. I have accounts, never use them. And that, that was a conscious decision because yeah. I'm going to focus on the present. But this time around, um, I want to dabble in social media a little bit more. Mm, be careful. <laughs> Right, right. What about you, Melissa? What are, what are some intentions or something you want to um, focus on this year? Yeah, uh, a couple on of resolutions. Yeah, a couple of intentions. Uh, you mentioned earlier doing your your skincare routine, and I've always mm -hmm. admired how you take care of yourself and your body. I am wanting to focus more on my skin this year. Mm -hmm. Thinking about as I'm getting older. Uh, sunblock, like I never quite know as a as a black person with all my melanin how the sun impacts me. But I'm I'm hearing some things about the sun that I hadn't really listened to before. Um, I'm in my 40s and I'm still breaking out, so I'm trying to drink a lot more water all the time, all day, every day. Um, moisturizing, trying to figure out you know natural kinds of products that are out there. So self care in the way by way of my skin and how you know. I take care of my body. It's our biggest organ, right? Um, so I've been thinking about that a lot. And then 
women really looking at um, my intention is to support women a lot more this year. Um, be learning and reading about what's going on with women, like that article from earlier. Mm-hmm. And then again, this year, just like last year, I, I want to be focusing on the black community. My intention is really to continue to embrace and center and uplift and talk about and encourage others to look at how do we engage the black community and support the black community. So those are my intentions for this year. I will add a little PS more meaningful conversations and time spent with my kids a little bit less on the computer, which is a challenge because we just added a podcast to our lives, but, (laughs) (laughs) but that's important to me. Just knowing that we're not going to always be together in this house um, and social distancing from others. So I'm wanting to take some time. We played, Oh my God, played chess with my 11 year old for the first time this week and she kicked my butt. So uh, that was fun. We've got a lot of new adventures ahead of us there. Lady power playing chess. Love it. Yes. (laughs) Well, I think that's it for our first episode of end note. Where can folks find you? Ray new. You can follow me on Instagram. I do read it. um, And hopefully I will be posting more on it. At one Ray New, and that's the number one and my first name, R-E-N-U on Instagram. Awesome. Right. And I'm on Instagram as well at I am Melissa Morgan. Uh, that's actually I, the letter M, Melissa Morgan. I'm Melissa Morgan. You just can't put an apostrophe. So there I am on IG. And then my website is www.allthingsblack.us. Because again, that's my focus again this year. That's allthingsblack.us. Uh, we want to thank everyone for listening to our first ever podcast as we discuss the topics of the day and how it relates to us and um, all by gender, race, class, and identity. Thanks, everyone, and have a great day. Take care, everybody.